Welcome to the Transform Your Wealth and Health podcast, where experts in wealth, health, and fitness help transform your life. Here's your host, Andy Arder. He had a six-figure property business at just 22, seven-figure at 24, a 3.6 million portfolio by 26, then lost it all before bouncing back even bigger than before. Today's guest is George Gannon. George, how are we doing? Thank you, Andy. Uh, I'm absolutely fantastic. And I really cannot be more uh, charged and focused for 2019. What you got planned, George? I know, I know everything's taking off, but uh, lots happening, I take it. Yeah, there's a huge focus on helping new people get started in property and looking after our existing clients as well. And also, we're doing some really, really life-changing projects at the moment. Okay, so take us back a little bit further, George. What was your childhood like? Where did you grow up and how did you get into property? Yeah, so basically I, I just came from a council house, left school with uh, not the best qualifications and went straight into a trade as a painter and decorator, working for one pound an hour as pound an apprentice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I realised I'd never be rich doing that, so I decided to educate myself, went off to night classes and then off to college where I was studying construction in the built environment. And whilst I was at college, I wanted to get on the property ladder. So uh, it, being a full-time student, I went to the first mortgage provider in the uh, town centre in Darlington and asked them, can I have a mortgage please? And I said, you're a full-time student, you got zero cash in the bank and no guarantor, Goodbye. no chance. So I was like, okay. Um, I think I must have been a very solution-orientated person then. So I didn't see the problem. I didn't accept no. I went looking for more answers. So I asked the next mortgage advisor and the next and the next and the next. And most people might give up then um, hearing the same thing. But I thought one of them, just one of them might, might know that little bit of information that the next person didn't. How many did you think it, you went round, George? At least seven. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was quite embarrassing because especially when you get told no the first time. Yeah. And the conclusion was at the end of it, it, it was still the same. I couldn't get a mortgage. But one of them was an estate agency as well. And they had an auction catalogue in there. So I picked up the auction catalogue and found a property in there with a guide of, um, uh, uh, it had a guide price of 6000 so I went to the bank and I asked for a bank loan and I said it was to buy a car because I didn't think they'd give me at 21 to go out and buy a house. So I uh, took a bank loan out, went to view the property. It was a lower flat, completely gutted, unmortgageable, um, in a rundown sort of mining area. Went to the auction, read the, got there early, read the legal pack myself, bid on it and secured it for around six and a half thousand Wow. And then, yeah, sat on that for nine months and didn't do anything to it, but flipped it to the guy upstairs and sold it to him for 16500 in a nine-month period. So made around 10000 there wow. off my first flip. That's great, George. Yeah. I, I, I then finished my college course and I got a treble distinction and a national diploma, small free straighters in construction in the built environment. I also did... Uh, ASIT and Foundation Advanced Mathematics and AutoCAD Level 2 on top of that and um, managed to get a, a, 
Ellison Award, which we only give to two people out of the whole college. So I've really just excelled there. Um, went off to Northumbria University to study building surveying and put my money into a two bed upper flat, added another room, so my first mini more, rented the other two rooms out. And whilst I was at university, I found a pub to convert into four flats and went to the banks again because I thought, yep. Uh, the tradition, traditional method. Went to the uh, uh, first bank and I asked, can I have some money please? And the bank manager said, you're a full-time student, you've got zero capital whatsoever, you've even managed to wingle a student loan out the system, the building you're after is speculative, i.e. doesn't have planning permission, it's a boarded up pub in a rundown miners area, You've got no development experience whatsoever, and it's 100% funding that you're after to buy it and develop it. They said no chance. Yeah. So I kept asked a few more banks, and it, you know, it was very obvious this this wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But I didn't give up there. Again, must be solution oriented person. Went looking for another answer, and I mentioned it to a gentleman in the Isle of Man whose mansion I used to decorate and work for some one of my clients. And he said, do me a business plan, George. I'll lend you 100% funding for wow. 10% return on my investment. I was like, wow, thank you, Alan. So I borrowed the money off him, went, went and bought the pub, did the plans myself, the building control myself, and the vast majority of all the work myself, remortgaged, sold one, paid Alan back, plus his 10%, and I was left with a few thousand left over and uh, I, I went to Alan and I said what well, you know why would you lend it to me when when I've got all this going against me yeah and he says well, basically he says not many people can do what you do or will do what you do and I said what, what do you mean and he said well basically not many people are willing to give up their summer holidays or any holiday to come and work over here and then on top of that, not just work, but work an 80-hour week and 80-hour weeks back to back. So he says not many people will do that, and then not many people can do that as well, yeah. physically do it. And I, yeah. I used to uh, train and compete in the boxing back then, so that was probably what, what all the endorphins were, were doing to me, eating right and training, yeah. and that's probably the spark that set me free. And so, so there are people out there that will invest in you. People are. Um, it's surprising how generous and giving people actually are. I know we see a lot of negativity in the media, and um, there is, but there are a lot of people that want to help people like yourself and I. Mm -hmm. So we are, they are out there. I paid Alan back, and then I went off and found a 30-bed care home. I converted that into 20 apartments, but when I when I first found the care home, I thought I'll go back and ask my good friend Alan for some money. Um, George, can I just interrupt there? Yeah. What on earth made you go from doing the projects that you've done to a 30-bed care home? I mean, come on, that's a, quite a jump, you know? Well, I'd say the pub had so much wrong with it. I yeah. had a Geordie guy who actually came and looked at it, and he goes, I've been in the trade all my life, son, and I wouldn't dare dream taking out like this on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, why is that? And he goes, well, it needs absolutely everything doing to it. <laughs> and I said, well, that's one of the reasons I did it. And 
because it needed everything doing to it. So it's like creation of four units, an extension. It had dry rot, wet rot, um, just structural elements, uh, uh, new services coming in, um, returning walls out the back, new openings. So there was there was just so much to do, uh, new roofing, and and I really enjoyed it. And so I've got the like straight airs and the um, theory side, so it's the practical side now. And I, I, I was just really just soaking it all up, learning and enjoying the journey. Mm-hmm. So once I did that, I thought anything else is a walk in the park. <laughs> you know, this this was a, a beast, the monster for a first project, yeah. and, and that's probably why I've got a um, maybe a, um, a, a very uh, one not uh, objective sort of view on whether people can do it because I did it at such a young age and I look at people now and I think well you must must have a lot more going for you than I did back then um, so it is possible but going from there I saw the care home and to be honest it was very symmetrical so when I advise people now um, I've always advise people as soon as permitted development came out that they should specialize in that area to start with because it's the simplest type of commercial to residential conversion mm-hmm. that you can do to um, appraise the deal to ensure you're getting um, more accurate build costs it's nice and symmetrical you know what space you're dealing with the permitted development parts going to make it less risk-free for you the only challenge now is Every man and his dog is is after these, so they're getting a bit bit harder to find. But they are out there. Yeah. Um, so with, with that in mind, a bigger one. It was just mindset. I, I saw that, and absolutely everyone, everyone told me you shouldn't do this. You can't do this. What you're thinking of? I'm my uh, mum's boyfriend at the time. He was a builder, and he said, you know, I'm I'm a lot older and experienced. I will help. You just wait a bit more in your life. You don't have to do it now. And yeah. everyone just tried to talk me <laughs> out of it. So and there was only one person, one person actually, because I, I, that believed in me, and that was my mum. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I, I can criticise my past a bit, saying we were poor, but I did have the love and support of my mum. So that was one one thing I've always had. Yeah. And but I, I just knew knew in my gut, in my mind that if I get this building for the price it was, it was just so stupidly undervalued and mm-hmm. cheap that I could have just sold it on the next day and made money. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I can share with anyone out there. Yeah. Everyone's just trying to squeeze margins and make the deal work. Well, if that's the case, it probably isn't a deal. You need to have ones that are just, yeah. <laughs> A no-brainer. This oh, well. this is a deal. Is a yeah. deal. Is a deal. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you shouldn't be having to overthink it to, to know if it's a deal or not. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you've got one. And uh, but and, and you think when you've put all this time, energy, and effort into a deal, and you say I've got one, and in, and then the investors seem to drop like flies or disappear for a lot of people. And that's because uh, it's not that it isn't always a deal. It's just sometimes the investor says it's too big it's too small it's a wrong location i'm just up on holiday i've just invested so there's a whole string of different reasons why yeah. they might not have better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. so what so what do you think makes you so driven then i mean because you know these projects have sort of come out of nowhere and you've just continued and continued uh what makes you so driven like that 
Uh, well, that that is going back to my childhood, really. And basically, we we had um, food handouts from my, well, basically, my dad tended to drink and gamble a bit, and mm-hmm. um, you you never know someone's whole story until you've lived their life, and it's easy to uh, criticise other people. But um, he he did try to he he, he had a construction company and. Uh, his business partner um, <clears throat> took the money and ran abroad and left my dad with a lot of debt and he went bankrupt. So um, whether you can blame that on what it was like back then and yeah. in that era, everyone liked to have a drink or whether it was a bit of stress. And so basically, you know, we we had um, food handouts from an hour and my um, and often the power was off as well. So it was getting candles out and I used to think, right. God, this, this Northern Electric's really bad round here. <laughs> I mentioned this on the podcast before, funnily enough, you know, I don't like to get too political, but I didn't fancy it too much as a kid sitting there on the three day week in the dark with the candles on, you know, it wasn't that great. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, my mum, bless her, she, 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 she never drank and she, she had three, three children to look after. And, she says, you don't know what skin is. Skin's not being able to find 20 feet on the side of the sofa. But yeah. a lot of people can turn to drink or drugs to help alleviate the stress. So this is it. You have to understand people's position. It's all um, points of uh, view from people. And basically, I, I don't want the life that I had for my children. So that's probably why I'm super motivated and super driven. And when yeah. I started decorating... Um, I do my mum's house up. That's actually how I started uh, putting, like, paint in my mum's kitchen, bringing a worktop back and tiling it and stripping all the wood chip off. And mm. if it weren't for the fact that I was uh, always looking for, for nice ladies, my mum might have thought I was a bit gay <laughs> doing all the, the uh, fancy interior design. But that, that that's one of the main drivers behind me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, so jumping back to the care home that I bought, mm-hmm developed that out and converted that into 20 apartments, remortgaged it, and then did a, um, pulled out 291,000. So I was left with 20 apartments, 291 grand in the bank. What did I do? I just invested every penny back into the um, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, no flash car, um, no fancy house, no fancy holidays. Um, but I did take everyone on holiday just to assess them because I, I beef is a bit uh, chavy now maybe <laughs> but we went out there and had a party yeah. for a week and then um i bought a block of 14 well a block of 18 actually converted that into 14 apartments mm-hmm. uh did a miners hall a uh bungalow and a master got 3.6 million pound portfolio before the age of 26 wow and then that little thing called the recession came along I've been yes. through a few, George. They're pretty nasty. Are we due another one coming up? That's the thing. Who knows, eh? Yeah. I, I think, well, I don't think, I know for a fact there's more millionaires made during recessions than any other time. Yeah. So it's completely mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll share with you um, my journey and how, how I felt at the time yeah. with, with what happened there. Please and basically, my... my um, the, the, the staff I had, I hired, were friends from college and university. And because I went into trade, I was a bit older than most people. So they were all younger than me. So it was quite crazy, this 30-bed successful care home with all these kids running it. And I even took on apprentices because I knew I was one. So it was just, if you'd have 
walked in there, it'd be like a comedy sketch, but it worked. And when 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 the recession happened, I said to the guys, "Look, um, ask your parents what a recession is." So I've not been through one, you definitely haven't. So that was the advice I gave them. I, I, I tried to learn as much as I can. And I said, look, I'm out of money. I was trying to sell this last block of 14 for a million, couldn't sell it for a million. Got a remortgage at 85%, which was the norm. Couldn't do that. I had a remortgage at 70% loan to value. So I was 300 grand short in the cash flow going into a recession. Mm-hmm. And my staff said, well, we've got faith in you, George. You've booked the trend. You've done the impossible. We'll lend you some money if you want to keep going. Wow. And I was like, wow, thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's money. Um, that's loyalty money can't buy. Yeah. Stupidly, in hindsight, I accepted and we tried running a construction company and looking for other deals, tried getting a joint venture off with a competitor, but they got wound up and found a care home, had a million and a half profit in it. So I went out pitching at Angel's Den back then that had uh, London, Leeds in Glasgow, uh, I think, or Scotland, pitched it all um, found an investor. Uh, well, this care home was 625 purchase, found an investor with half a million, but I couldn't for the life of me find anyone to go second charge to him in the recession. And basically, I um, so I, I, I paid for a Rick's valuation. I lost that deal, so it was proven I had the money in, million and a half, life-changing. Mm-hmm. And then I found someone else that was willing to buy into the block of 14. I rang the bank up. And they said, I don't know who you've been speaking to, but we've just gone bankrupt ourselves. We're at lockdown. We can't give a second charge or any, add anyone to the mortgage. So I, we're running a construction company, lost 20,000 doing that, trying to keep everyone in work. And on May the 26th, uh, I represented myself five times in the high court as well, which was interesting, one four. And on May the 26th, 2010, I was declared bankrupt. And I lost absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I ever feared was failure. That was the only one thing that I really felt fe- yeah. feared was failure and letting people down. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest, that was probably a time when I started drinking. I, I was sort of self-medicating mm-hmm. to deal with the pressure and the stress. And I, I had lost everything. I owed friends and family money. And if it weren't for the fact that I owed them money, I could have stayed in a very dark place and, and not come back from there. But I, I didn't have that right to stay where I was. I, I had to get myself back up and get back out of it and make it happen again. So I um, went knocking on doors and found a Barclays Bank wealth manager. And he says, I get you, George. I'll buy you out of bankruptcy myself personally. Wow. It's like, wow, thank you, Barry. <laughs> it's quite um, Yep. Yeah. But I, I said to him, actually, I've, I've sold the freehold off to a block of 20 from the care home, Lady Burn House. So it's more business vanity than acumen at the time to, to buy me out of bankruptcy. So I'll, I'm happy to stay where I am. We'll just buy the best part of the portfolio back and I'll develop in your name. So within a year, before I was even discharged, I brokered a deal with the, with the um, receivers and bought the best part of my portfolio back uh, next to nothing. Um, and then kept on going and I went looking for answers and I came across these gurus and I thought, who, who are you to tell me what to do? I've done all this before you guys have even started, but I listened to them 
and there was some really, really good, top quality information there. Mm. And I yeah. thought, wow. Yeah, so I thought, right, okay, I might, I might become one myself. <laughs> so I decided to create the UK's first two-day commercial conversion course, ran that with one of the leading providers. You were the very first. So, you were sorry? the very first, George. Yes, yeah. As ah. far as I'm aware, and no one's told me different, and no. even at the time, everyone was telling me it was the first one. So. Okay. Um, so now with all the competition, I'm like, some idiot's been going around telling everyone about this, <laughs> this niche. Um, so I ran it with them and then exited because I wanted to focus on my own core values and business again, being always working for myself, for myself, by myself. And that's when I've had the most success actually doing everything for myself, by myself. But now I've realized you can go so much further and do so much more through joint venturing. Mm. and I created property leverage and our three core values are education integrity and results and it's the education where people have said they've had more in a week's mentoring with us than they have a year elsewhere wow. one poor lady had said she's had more out of our two one day free events than she has training elsewhere mm. and the uh, sorry integrity that's your anchor point so any decision you make, you've got to make sure that aligns. And with our core group, when I was getting them to do the business plans, it resonated that all them had put integrity there one way or another. Every business, I don't know a business that's out there that's perfect. So everyone makes mistakes, but it's just how you deal with that when it does happen. Yeah. And then results, and it's results for our clients, not us. But the challenge that a lot of people have, and the best advice I can give people is, Make sure you do your business plan for a long term and don't set unrealistic expectations. And also, 90% of businesses do fail. So mm. if the odds are stacked against you, why do you think you're instantly going to hit it in a month, in two months, in three months, in a year? Ask people that are doing what you are doing and ask them how long it takes. Mm. And that's probably the biggest thing that trips most entrepreneurs up. So if you can take one thing away, then that's being realistic on dedicating the correct time to achieve your business goals. Yeah. And really, you should be locking yourself in for a couple of years training and dedication to this because so many people will say, oh, it's not happened after half a year or it's not happened after a year and just give up. Yeah. It, uh, it took me a while viewing all these properties to find the right ones. I've, I've been very lucky, but you, I've only told you about the ones that I was successful with. Of course, yes. I've got a lot, of, uh, I don't, we might not have time, but I've got a lot of stories <laughs> about all the other ones that I didn't get and yeah. why I didn't get them, how much money it cost me. But mm -hmm. it was a process of going through all that that eventually got me to where I wanted to be. Mm. So... That's, um, yeah, that, that was, I've, I've digressed a bit there, but it was an important <laughs> lesson. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I, I started off years ago, George, um, selling, selling industrial equipment 35 years ago, and not long into my career, they wanted me to be an on-the-road sales guy, and I got, I'd only just learned to drive, et cetera, et cetera, and I tried it, and it wasn't for me. I gave it up, and then I eventually transitioned into telephone sales and and assistant managers and managers and, and, and doing work with other people within the company. And then eventually I'm back out on the road and 17 years later, I'm still doing it, but I'm doing it now instead of with the local people, I'm doing it with the biggest people in the country. 
So yeah. like you say, you know, you, you fail, you learn, you move on, you try something different and eventually you do what you do because you love it and you've been doing it for, yeah. you know, for so long now. So, you know, you, you've been on a journey. Have you thought about writing a book about this, George? Ah, uh, th- th- this is it. When you get, and, and this year I was really trying not to do any mentorship, more of a mastermind, mm-hmm. because it's surprising how, how much that pulls you in. Yeah. And it's like everything. I've, I've got to do my podcast. I've got to do my book. I've, I've got to do this, um, that and the other. So there's, there's, there's certainly a lot that I need to do. Yeah. And a lot of people that I know have managed that. And that, that used to frustrate me, but it doesn't now. And that's another thing. I've, I've spoken on stage before and I've come away and someone's walked up to me and they've said, um, I absolutely love what you've done, truly inspired, but I'm so green with envy. And I'm like, wow, thank, thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. You know, and, and I see other people that have got all these books and doing great with the podcast. And I'm thinking, what, what's wrong with me? Why haven't I managed to do this yet? And it's because, you know, what, what, well, I am doing multiple multi-million pound yeah. projects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, so don't, don't, that's another thing people need to understand. Do not beat yourself up. Do not set your results against someone else's results that's a lot further away from you. Yeah. You, you, you've got time. You know, you've, you, we all start our journey at different points. I was super driven to, to get where I was, and I put a lot of pain, sweat, and blood into that. And not everyone's prepared to work, 80-hour weeks or 80-hour weeks back-to-back. Mm. Um, I've, I've not really had a time off over Christmas, but that that's, you know, my choice. I, I love business. Mm. And uh, I, I also quit drinking before Christmas as well. So mm-hmm. at the moment, I, I can't switch off. <laughs> I've got to be working. Uh, I, I just I can't have a weekend off because I get bored. You know, there's yeah. free weekend, money in the bank. What do I do? work so it's, <laughs> it, some people might think that sounds really sad and you're losing your life but it is what it is <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it I, I really am enjoying what i do mm-hmm. yeah. okay so the book can wait for a little while the podcast can wait for a little while tell us more about the, the training and the mentorship then george yeah so we've got the three day now not two but three so it's mm-hmm. two days with myself and we cover the five steps to success and I've sort of analysed, well, me and my team have analysed the process. And I think that's where I was falling over before. It was more just all on me. Now I've opened up and I've got some really quality professional people supporting me. And if I didn't have them, then, yeah, I I would feel a lot more stressed and overwhelmed. So so, so getting the right people in your team is key. But the, the five steps are, number one, business setup. I I have a lot of friends at the moment that have multi-million pound portfolios, like 50 houses, 100 houses, and they would, and some of them are like, how do I exit from this? Mm. And you hit that point in business sometimes, and you've got to stay with it because every now and again, it's a roller coaster, and you have that dip, and you're like, oh, I want to get out of this, and that's a moment of weakness, and that's how other people profit, yeah. but you've got to stick it until you get there. Yeah. And they structured it all in the personal names, not limited companies, so it's harder for them to exit, especially with tax, etc. So, business set up from from day one, making sure you set your business business up correctly, and you also go through the process. So when you find that deal, you're ready to act on it. 
Yeah. So there's nothing worse than finding a deal. Oh, right, I've got to create all this. So there's enough to do when you find the deal to get that secured and off the ground without having to deal with all the business set up and getting bank accounts opened, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So it's getting guys uh, ready. So it's not be ready. Sorry, it's not get ready. It's be ready. So you're ready. And then number two is raising finance. So there's a whole section on how to raise your finance, what the different fi finance types are, what the bank needs of you, what, what, what to expect, what the process is, and how you can shortcut that if you want to, so joint venturing. And that's got a process from A to B. And we need to make sure when you have the finance, n nothing in that, pipe, that, that point goes wrong. So you need to identify it all here, not at the end. And it's happened to me as well. I've had people say, yeah, got the money, see proof of funds, and at the last minute, drop out, and that's with uh, close to half a million. So mm -hmm. that's put me right on the back foot. Um, and I've always said I'm, I'm not doing because there's three types of three types of money you need. Mm -hmm. One's the needed, one's the realistic, and one's the ideal. The ideal is say you're doing a three million pound project and it's going to cost you, uh, sorry, three million GDV gross development value and resale, and it costs you, say, two million. Uh, the ideal is two million in the bank. Yeah. The realistic is say you're picking it up for three hundred, maybe half a million in the bank, so you don't have to buy it and enough to cash flow it and then get it off the ground. Mm. The needed, which I've had to do and hustle and get started, yeah. and uh, and this is why I fall into that trap because I know other people need to do this as well. Yeah. I do help them and I get pulled in and they've got that hustle, which, which causes a lot of problems and frictions. And it could be saying to them, look, start off a lot smaller, but I'm not, I can't dictate someone's journey to them. I can't I, I advise people not to do it, but they'll still go and do it. And if you're there to help and support you, you've got to do it. And, and I've done it and I know other people that have gone off and done it. So that, that's, a lot of people start with a need and that's a different journey and it's not as easy as all the others. Um, but I've been through them battles and I've made it work. So I can't say no to people there, but I can only advise them aware of how hard it's going to be and the challenges and issues. Mm. So sorry, that's just important. I get that out there. So they're the three levels of funding. Mm -hmm. And, and, when you don't have that, it puts you on the back foot and you, you, you can probably look a bit more desperate as well when you're in that situation, you can feel the pressure more. So yeah. um, things don't flow as smoothly as you'd like. So it's all learning lessons as well for people. So finance raising. So that's why when people say, do you find the property first or the finance first? Always, always. There's so many people that say, find the right deal and the money will come. Mm. No, that's BS. Don't listen to that. Right. Find the money, get that set up and then find the project because the person with the money that you think you've got that and they're locked in there, safe, secure, they've given you everything. When you find that right pro project and you know it's a deal, yeah. they can turn around and say, sorry, too big, too small, wrong timing, wrong location. I'm off on holiday. I've just yeah. invested any reason. So make sure you, you get that step right. And after that, um, you, we then jump onto sourcing. Now, with the sourcing, so that's step three, there's over 29 different modules in there, and it's not just permitted development, it's all the different types that we've done, like care homes and pubs and offices and listed buildings, uh, ones in 
um, areas of outstanding natural beauty, etc. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a whole array of different things and we look at the building control aspect and the planning aspect and the build cost aspect. So there's a whole lot to, to understand there just in the sourcing. Most people just think sourcing is simple, you go out and find it. No, there's, there's quite a lot there. So tremendous <laughs> sourcing. And then after that, the development. So even if you've secured the finance, got the business right, you, you've got it, you've still got to develop it right because that can still go wrong for many people. So the development and then after that, the exit. And I used to start with the exit first, but it was confusing people. So I put it last because it is last, but you'd sort of start with that first. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing that a lot of people will trip themselves up with is greed. Now, when you're looking at an apartment block, can sometimes get 30 apartments out of it, one beds, or you can get 20 apartments, mixed juice. And people, if you do 30, you'll make more, more money on paper. Of course. But it's doing what the market wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's yeah. all about that exit. So that's why that's so critical that we start with that first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after that, we've got a mastermind because it's one thing giving people this, but your true learning and experience comes from the mastermind uh, 12 months support afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, with the two, that's just the two days we made. The third day is with my in-house architectural designer and he, he gets the plans out. He's, he's done all the architectural work for my other projects and mm -hmm. he, he um, teaches you to put the architect cap on and how he appraises them, how he designs them. So you're doing it, yeah, we teach the desktop appraisal and then um, detailed appraisal, services appraisal and with doing all that, you're saving the costs or you, you're having a better, uh, you're just open your game, basically. So when, when you do find one, you don't have to pass that straight over to someone else. It's going to cost you money. You can do as much as you can before you start incurring costs. Yeah. And uh, that's a three days with us live. We are working on getting it online. Um, we, we have done it, but we, we, we need the, the quality and the value to be even better because it's my Yorkshire voice. People say <laughs> that I don't speak that clear. Classroom's fine because the other thing is I'll say it as it is, and that's fine in a classroom sometimes, but if I'm out there and it's recorded, I can't be saying some of the truths that I say. Yeah. So we've got the political correctness, <laughs> I think, that we, we need to get right. I understand. Um, yeah. So, the, but yeah, the, the, the key for anyone doing the journey is I know it's an additional investment, but you have to have that mastermind because that's your support because the, the, the each and every project is completely different. And yeah. having our in-house architect that you can throw the information over to mm. and having him appraise it first and saying yes or no, or go back and find about X, Y, and Z on each and every project is so invaluable and that's yeah. where your real learning comes george could you tell us a story about somebody that you've helped in the past that, that maybe was on your courses or or someone that undertook a mastermind yeah. so um with, with the mastermind will burton if you google him he's doing great he's he's done started off with a few smaller ones now he's on to a huge one and yeah. um, the big scale uh -huh. um so that's someone through the course <laughs> someone that i've helped um this was someone who used to work for me, and this was more of the mindset, which I think is more important than anything. Because when, when I was doing the, the, the care home into to 20 apartments, I had one of my friends from university, he said, 
because uh, I hired all my it, all my rugby mates didn't seem to get jobs and they all worked for me for like five pounds an hour <laughs> and um, uh, and so I had a lot of very educated labourers <laughs> in different areas and and my, one of my friends said look I've, my brother he's he's hanging around with the wrong people smoking just works in a kitchen as a pot cleaner mm-hmm. um, and he's well he wasn't complete. Uh, I hope he, he won't mind me saying this, but he was a bit of a, a chav back then, not now. Um, um, but so was I, you know. <laughs> of people change, you can't choose how you start off in life, but you can determine where you're going to end up. And basically, he said, uh, you know, I want help him get him out of, and it's an environment. So we got him out of that environment that he was with and the people he was with, and he started working on the site. And he would say to the other lads, he'd be like, yeah, right, <laughs> in the type of uh, um, voice he had. And basically, I said, look, look, mate, what what do you want to do? What? Because um, you're better off getting into a trade. And I said, I, the, the easiest ones are painting and decorating or plastering. You don't need many tools and the works there. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your more skilled ones, which get you more money, but it's more... Uh, complicated or hard work like your electricians and your plumbers so there's a lot more involved in them mm. and then he said well what what about you guys because he, he knew I left school with more or less no qualifications I re-educated myself and got myself there and I said well there's obviously um, services director site manager the quantity surveyor that's got good best really good money in it um, structural surveyor um, building surveying which I did at university but dropped out and 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 he was like oh yeah yeah and I says look don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything you can do whatever you want and he says yeah I'll, I think I'll I'll do what you did and go through college and university and become a quantity surveyor um or, or something similar and I was like I was thinking in my head I, 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 you know, I was thinking, really? But, but I, I didn't let on. And I just said, you can do whatever you want. And if you want to do that, we'll support you. So um, he went off to college and the lecturer rang us up. And he yeah. said, well, he's told me about your story, your journey. Yeah. And uh, we're a bit worried. But if you are, he's saying you and one of my site managers, Lawrence, who is also um, did the same as us, studying architecture, um, we're going to look after him. Then he said, "Yeah, okay." So right. he did that. Okay. And to be fair, Lawrence helped him spot him a lot more than me for his available time. And uh, all the other lads who are all like university educated and a bit more posher um, were like, "What are you doing, George? Filling his head with nonsense that he can do this? What are you doing?" And I'm like, well, "Of course he can. Who, who are you to say he can?" And they were like. And, and to be fair, I thought, uh, you know, I want 100 percent there, but I, I can never do that because I've done it. And if someone says that they they want to do something and they believe they can, and you support them, help them believe they can, then they can. Mm. It's complete mindset. So he went off, managed to get qualified, and then during the recession, unfortunately, I, I've lost everything and um, lost contact. But then a few years later, I got a phone call, and he says. I just really want to thank you, George. I've just got qualified as a QS quantity surveyor. Wow. So like, yeah. Wow. And it just sent goosebumps down me completely, yeah. and it does now, thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. So 
That you really is it. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because when I started out, I went in the trade as a decorator. And I, I watch Property Ladder, if I'm honest. That's the beginning <laughs> who, who didn't? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and um, I said to one of my work colleagues, who was older than me, training me, I said, I think I want to be a... Well, actually, he said to me, you'll never be rich working for Neil. Because <laughs> he used to like, joke on a lot, yeah. uh, saying how bad we had it. And... Um, so I thought, right, yeah, I might, might become an estate agent. So that's like the stepping stone into property, I thought. Mm. And he goes, you can't be an estate agent. You're too stupid. <laughs> so, okay. But I did do night classes because he was, he was right, to be fair, you know. And I, I got, you know, um, my maths and English again. And, uh, oh, yeah, and I, I then went to um, the, the estate agency. And because I was dyslexic, that was a huge, huge problem for me. Yeah. And they even said, yeah, I think you're not ready for this because you've got to take people's names and if you can't spell names um, and pronounce them right. So they advised I maybe go off to college and do it a bit more. Mm. So I said, well, okay, that's that's upset me. Um, went to college and I saw construction in the built environment. And I thought, right, I'll be a building surveyor. So I said to my mate just before I quit work, it's right, I'm going to be a building surveyor now. And he said, you can't be a building surveyor. I don't even think I could be a building surveyor. <laughs> so this is, is people that I respected saying that to me. But he'd also just bought a house as well. And he was buying it off someone that was a building surveyor. And uh, sorry, an estate agent who was also a, a surveyor uh, valuer. And he had these degrees in the background. Cause he, I heard him saying, and, and he says, oh, well, it was a bit worrying because he was dyslexic because he was struggling to spell. And I thought, yeah, you know, people who are professionals can still be dyslexic. Yeah. But I thought, if that's the mentality that I'm going to get when I become a professional, I'm still fighting against it. Yeah. And so I thought, when I was at college, the lecturer put on the board the jobs that you could be off the back of our qualification. So you had the client at the top, and then quantity surveyor, building surveyor, structural engineer, architect, etc., all them. And I said to him, he goes, right, lads, what do you want to do? And our lecturer was great because he was from the trade, so he used to yeah. F and black all the time. <laughs> and, and that's what my notes were in. <laughs> and, um, and I said, I want to be the client. It was just that light bulb moment. And he goes, you're that's in the nice. wrong room, son. You need to get down to business class if you want to be the client. And I was thinking, I'm not sure if I am. I've seen property ladder. So, <laughs> so um, that, that was a, an awakening moment. And I went out and and found a property and I made it happen and mm. slowly worked my way up, albeit, yeah. you know, rocket style, but I still, so it's these small little mindsets and game and uh, that have become game changers for you. Yeah. You and can teach that to people. Realizing too. it. Yeah. Can you teach that to people? Yes. Yeah. So that, that's, um, um, that's probably one of the biggest things that will hold anyone back is that mindset. Yeah. And what we have to do is work with people and help people understand what their mental blockage is. So people have a mental blockage that will stop them moving on to the next level or even stop them before the start. The other thing that most people won't talk about is the risk profile. Yes. Now, some people have a family, kids, yeah. and they just can't risk that income. Wow. Yeah. Very so, and, and I said that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Mm. You, you know, everyone 
is, is, is at a different position in life and everyone has a different risk profile. And I used to always go all in, all in, all in. And the likes of, say, Richard Branson, he's, he's always gone all in. Mm. And he says the amount of times that he's come that close to losing everything yeah. because he was going all in, yeah. but he's just managed to make it work. Yeah. And a lot of self-made millionaires mm. have lost it before because they have done that and they have stretched themselves and they keep trying. And this is what you're going to get from people. Mm. You are going to get abuse. You're going to get uh, people selling you, don't overstretch yourself, don't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you've just got to know yourself with a thick skin. And and I went out at 22, mm. 100% development funding with no experience to develop that project and get it off the ground. I then went out at 24 and raised one million pounds. At 24, this council kid with no qualifications when I left, no experience on that scale, and, and it made half a million profit. Yeah. And then when I lost everything, and people are like, oh, well, who's going to touch someone in your situation? Credit rate in short. No, oh, mindset, that's BS. Once you've got this knowledge, this information, no one can ever take that away from you. Yeah, you still have that. You still yeah. have that ability. You still have that capability. Mm. It's just different points in your life. You have a different journey. George, we're getting towards the end of the show now. I wonder if you could tell us if there's anybody out there that helped you along the way, anyone that you want to credit, apart from your mother, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, certainly my mother. And yeah. uh, Alan Hall, who was a, a self-made millionaire, and actually maybe spending the time with him, decorating his mansion, because I was there more than him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he always was there. And he, he, he actually said, look, you know, you, you need to start reading a bit more. And he, he even said, look, even if it's porn magazines, just read them, <laughs> because you need to start getting reading and that will help you with your dyslexic uh the dyslexia and yeah. and what have you and then so he was he, he was having seen someone else achieve it that yeah. that was probably the biggest light bulb was seeing someone else that had actually gone out and achieved it and and although he gave me the odd little bit like that he, he wasn't a full-time mentoring supporting me all the way and certainly with the larger one, he, he thought that was maybe a bit big for him and certainly for me. And he just, he, he, mm. he said, it, it's a good lesson to learn how to raise funds elsewhere. And at the time I was like, yeah, great, thanks, Alan. <laughs> but it actually was, it was a great lesson. Yeah. And uh, now my team that I've got, um, certainly Helen, uh, Logan Wood, she, she's been fantastic. And mm -hmm. nice to have someone that's from a, a former teacher from the education, I'm an investor, she's a multiple investor in different things. Yeah. Um, just have that sanity check because because I can quite easily just tap away on the keyboard and fire out something that's not really um, professional. And it's just having someone hold me back and say, yeah, you might want to change that slightly. Yeah. And that's something I've been lacking. I'm a kick the door down and make it happen type of guy. So I mean, yeah. you, you have the wealth dynamics with the different personality types. So. Of course, yeah. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, George, if they're interested in any of your courses or anything that uh, they want to do with you? Yeah. Um, sorry, I should mention uh, Barry Alcock as well, one of my business partners <laughs> okay. and all my business partners. I've got so many now. Um, people that have helped me and supported me and the, the, the guys that I've had in the first original group. So mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on social media, so feel free just to fire me a message. Um, Facebook, I'm always, I'm always on there doing that myself. I'm also on LinkedIn. And our website is propertyleverage.co.uk. Uh, we've got a contact number on there, and that will go through our reception, and you can leave a message or email us via that. Um, always happy to help people, and I must add, within reason and time permitting, because I, I, that's one thing that I, I, I've brought people into my company that I didn't need to, but that was to keep me accountable, and they're saying, George, stop, stop giving away all your time for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am. I, I will. I know someone's got no money. They're in a bad position. And I'm, I'm there on a Friday night at 7 o'clock giving them a good hour of my time, helping yeah. support and referring to other people. Yeah. And that's when I'm absolutely knackered as well. But that's, you know, it's, there's only so much I can give. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, it's brilliant for you to do that, George. Uh, thanks very much for being on the show. I know you're going to go on from strength to strength. So it's been a pleasure. I'd love to have you back on the show again another time. And we'll go through some of the projects that you've done after that, because there's no doubt yeah. going to be some trials and tribulations that you can tell us about. So um, thanks very much, George. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. I hope this podcast gives you inspiration. And if you want to contact me, I'm Andy Arter, and it's transformyourwealthandhealth at gmail.com.